Welcome to The Gathering Place with Blessed Is She. I'm Jenna Gizar. And I'm Beth Davis. Pull up a chair and grab a drink. Or you could just keep doing what you're doing. Pull up a chair in your heart. (laughs) Come chat with us about Jesus, prayer, community, and life. So let's get started. Hi, Jenna. Hi. Hi, friend. How are you? Just dandy. Just watching you hold your microphone like a silly goose. The things we do for the Blessed Is She gals. I think it sounds better, but actually now that I'm doing it, I'm not sure it does. Probably doesn't. (laughs) It's just in your imagination. I just want to try. This is within my grasp, literally. Anyway, I'm just so glad to be with both of you today. Ooh, spoiler. (laughs) Sister Mary Claire Strasser, so glad that you're here. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here too. And in person, the best Mm -hmm. kind. (laughs) Sister, thanks for making the trek across town from your home parish, Most Holy Trinity here in Phoenix. Mm -hmm. And you're with the Salt community. Is that right? Yes. Do you mind telling us a little bit about yourself? Well, I'm with the Society of Our Lady, the Most Holy Trinity. Most people know us by SALT. I've been with the community since 2003. I grew up in Nashville, Tennessee. Yeah, I've been here in Phoenix for nine years serving at Most Holy Trinity Parish, where I teach middle school religion. Do you like middle schoolers, sister? I do. It's one of those graces of obedience that I was told I was going to teach middle school. And I said, well, they're scary. (laughs) Because my degree was in education, but preschool through third grade. And then okay. I got here. I just, I love middle school age. They're just Aww. so receptive, but they can have deeper conversations. Mm. Yeah, they're just a lot of fun. And they're so awkward. It's just, I really thrive on the awkwardness. <laughs> <laughs> this sounds just like Beth. Beth loves middle schoolers too, for those same reasons, yeah. right? Oh my gosh. It's my absolute favorite age. They're so loving. Mm-hmm. They're still so young, even though they think they're big. I adore middle school. Sister, so this morning I was listening to some worship while I was getting ready. And I'm doing this new thing where I'm trying, by God's grace, to live a more ordered life, okay? So that extends into my mornings, which is not historically a great or productive time for me. (laughs) We've had a whole podcast on the fact that I love to hit snooze. So I'm trying this new thing with the Lord. (laughs) I'm finding that I wake up in the morning and I'm already like checking all of these tasks Mm -hmm. off my list. I'm already wide awake, alert to all the things that have to be done, even in order for me to get out the door so that my day is like more fruitful, more productive. Also, like I'm just a better person, I Mm -hmm. think. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But this morning I was listening to this worship song and he started singing this verse from Lamentations 3 that it's like I'd forgotten about it. For your mercies that are new. Thank you. I looked it up. Obviously, it's Lamentations 3, 22 and 23. Okay, so verse 22, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. It was so what I needed to hear because I'm like rolling out of bed already, like on a mission, Mm -hmm. you know, which kind of is like stressing me out, to be honest with you. (laughs) So to be reminded in that moment, like his mercies are new for right now, mm-hmm. in this new morning, just gave me a lot of hope <laughs> that this can be sustainable. Are you a morning person? No, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> kind of the same thing as I get up and I'm got to check off what I have to get through that day. And usually my checklist starts happening in mass because that's about the time I'm actually awake. <laughs> so I'm running through all these things. And when I actually come to realize it, then I was like, okay, Lord, I'm just gonna, I got to give it to you so I can focus on receiving mm-hmm. you this morning. Nothing's going to be fruitful if I don't receive him. I don't listen to him. 
in the morning before I start telling him everything that he has to do that day. (laughs) So, so do you notice a difference in your work day since you are a Mm -hmm. teacher? Mm -hmm. Kind of if you've been disconnected in prayer that day versus like really feeling connected Mm -hmm. and filled up by the Lord, do you... Yeah, Notice the difference there? definitely, definitely. Because there's days where, you know, we pray the divine office every morning together. And, you know, there's days where I'm not attentive and the day just doesn't go as well. Or there's days where, you know, I'm not feeling well and I've missed prayer. And then it's like the whole day is off. Like you just know, like, oh, I missed morning prayer this morning. Or I didn't pray until later after our normal schedule. And like, ooh, it's just not as good. And I was thinking about when I was a novice, I would stop by the chapel every morning. Our schedule's depend on kind of what the ministry is that we're serving in. And I was mm-hmm. serving in a school there, and I would stop by the chapel at Ginny Fleck and say, Lord, be with me, and I'd walk out the door. And every day that was what I was praying. And I was like, one morning I just had this grace of, hello, he's already with you. <laughs> You've already received him. He's already present with you. It's you that walk away. It's you that are away from him. So then I switched my prayer and said, Lord, may I be with you today. And that really was very fruitful and just constant reminder throughout the day. It's like, he's already here. I just have to be present. I need to recalculate, refocus on him. We like to talk about that a lot, just having little shifts in mm-hmm. our prayer perspective. It's not like a big, massive thing to change your whole mindset. It's just a little shift of either the Lord correcting us or purifying us so that we do draw closer to him. Mm-hmm. And so that's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Mm-hmm. Sister Could I ask you to tell us a little bit of your vocation story? Sure. I had always thought about being a sister, I guess. I grew up, as I said, in Nashville, surrounded by the Nashville Dominicans. My grade school was, Mm -hmm. they taught there and and also my high school. And and then when I was 11, there was a convent built just down the street for me, which was also kind of ironic. Uh, So I can literally look out my back porch and see a convent. Wow. (laughs) I was always surrounded by good sisters and very blessed in that sense. And I think in seventh grade, I kind of had an inkling of maybe the Lord was calling me. And then all through high school, I really was like, this is where the Lord's calling me. So my junior year of high school, I tell my parents I was going to enter the convent after I graduated. I was going to enter Nashville Dominicans. Spoiler, I'm not a Nashville Dominican. <laughs> <laughs> and they were very upset by it. You know, they were very like, you're too young, you need time. And they saw something in me that I couldn't see as a know-it-all 16-year-old I was very fearful. I was very afraid of the world, afraid of holiness was not attainable in any other way but being a sister. As kind of a middle road, we agreed that I would go to Steubenville for a year. So I went there and I loved it, loved the experience. But it was very quickly after I got to Steubenville that I realized that holiness wasn't limited to just being a sister, that I could be holy as a college student. I could be holy as you know married or single and it was a real moment of grace. And then in the midst of that, so I took a step back and said, well, I'm not discerning. And then for me, that also turned into, well, then I must not be called to be a sister, so I'm going to be married. <laughs> and then in the midst of that, my freshman year, I met my community, the Society of Our Lady, and just developed a relationship with one of the brothers, which was just very beautiful. It was a very, what we call in our community, graced friendship. It was just, it was a friendship that you knew God had placed there and used very powerfully. And then my sophomore year, I studied in Austria. It was the Jubilee year, 2000. And this brother invited me to visit where they lived in Rome. And the sisters were there too. And so we spent the night at the convent. And I was praying in the chapel that night. And I just had this overwhelming sense of I was home. 
I knew nothing about the community. I'm like, are they only in Italy? Like, is this it? I, I know there's these priests and these sisters. I know nothing about them. So I went up to my room, and Father Mark had told one of the sisters to wait and talk to me. Good night. And I went into my room, and I hid. <laughs> and I didn't come out of my room until the next morning when we left. <laughs> so they still give me a hard time of, like, he totally did not talk to us at all. I was like, no, I was paralyzed. I was so nervous, so scared. I knew like the Lord had spoken, like this is home. It wasn't like I heard it audibly, but it was just, it was a sense of home that I I had never even experienced being with the National Dominicans. Mm -hmm. I'd been there so often. And here I am, this random convent that actually was above a preschool in Italy. I'm like, you know, it's the Lord when it's so clear like that. Mm -hmm. So I finished at Steubenville and still wrestled a lot with my vocation because I had, was now seeing the beauty of the other vocations as well. So I told the Lord I would give him a year in mission, and that would be it. You know, get this whole vocation thing out of my system and go yeah. about my life. <laughs> He's great with deadlines. Right. He loves that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I ended up volunteering for a year at our mission in North Dakota on the Turtle Mountain Indian Reservation, which was amazing. I taught first grade and just loved it, loved every moment of it. But it was about September that I realized that's where I was supposed to be, that I was supposed to be with mm-hmm. the sisters. So I entered the next year. But it was interesting because going into that year, at so the summer between my uh, graduation and volunteering there, my grandfather passed away. That mm-hmm. was the person I was closest to in my entire life. So it totally rocked my world. I was totally thrown. And I remember going before the Lord in adoration with my grandmother and say, how can I go and be a missionary here, Lord? And I don't know if I even believe in you, much less like, mm. how am I going to be a missionary? Teach others about you. And I was just devastated. But in that time of adoration, I was just like, okay, well, I'm already committed and I'm going to do it. You know, And Lord, you've got to pull through. And so often that's my prayer in desperation is, okay, Lord, you've got to pull through, break through this. You've got to break through and show me where you're at. That hurt endures for a long time, but he definitely walked with me through it. How beautiful. I love how you call them moments of grace and how they are cumulative. They do build up over time, even just in the course of that one holy hour for you to go from, I don't even know if I believe in you, which is very real Mm -hmm. to, okay, well, (laughs) this is where we're at and I'm going to keep on. Mm -hmm. Sister, we were talking about this quote from a podcast that we mutually love the place we find ourselves <laughs> Adam Young yeah yeah he has this definition of hope that we both love he calls hope groaning inwardly while waiting expectantly and i hear some of that in your story that like mm-hmm. there is very real pain and wrestling and waiting like everything wasn't made okay in that holy hour and yet you continued on, groaning inwardly while waiting for the Lord to come through expectantly. Yes, but I don't think I would have identified it as hope back then. Mm. I probably would have (laughs) been like, this is despair. You know, this is the opposite. You know, and I think we do that, especially in our culture. We expect hope to be like the princess version of it, but it's not. It's this wrestling with the Lord, waiting for him to pull through. It's in that waiting that we're really living hope. It's hard to recognize it in the midst of it. Yeah, I've had a very complex relationship with hope. I think I've had what you're describing, like this Mm -hmm. Disney definition of hope and, you know, everything's going to be okay, but totally missing Mm -hmm. the groaning inwardly part. Right. Just like a worldly hope. I think I had even like supported that with scripture of saying like, 
all things work together for good. Mm. So like, we'll get through this. Like the Lord's going to make this work together for good, but totally again, ignoring the groaning inwardly Mm. that hope is an expectation. It's not a guarantee that it's happening now or even soon necessarily. Right. I think hope is a lot more connected to surrender than we, or at least I ever thought connected it to surrender and faith. Mm. They're very closely connected And Adam Young in his podcast, he talks about the fact that surrender isn't just, okay, here it is, Lord. I tend to think it that way. I have to have it perfect before I can lay it before the Lord, and then I'll lay it before the Lord, and I'm good with whatever he decides to do it. No, that's not surrender. Surrender is the wrestling with it. It's fighting it. Surrender only happens at the end of a battle, is what he says in the podcast. And he also talks about in that wrestling, expecting God to work and wrestling with the fact that God is still a good father in the midst of Mm. the pain, in the midst of this struggle, this surrender, fighting for that truth that God is good, that God is a good father, and he's still providing and taking care of me, even though I may not be able to see it right there in that moment. I don't know. I was really struck by you talking about your grandfather and your relationship with him. And I'm curious if that has defined your relationship with God the Father in any way. And I don't know. I think in so many ways for me to have hope, I have to feel secure and safe in the one that I'm putting my hope in. And so I don't know, I just am curious if your relationship with your grandfather was like that at all for you and kind of reflected God the Father's relationship with us as well. I think so. I think it was my relationship with him that really made God the Father approachable, made him very real. He's also the one that I credit my faith to as well. Mm. He's very open with his faith journey Mm. and that so it was very real. It was just a very kind of natural thing. What a gift, his Mm -hmm. witness of faith to you. Mm -hmm. So I always like to talk about practical stuff. When it comes to feeling despair in each one of our individual vocations, if you're married and you know you feel a lot of despair with relationship with your husband or a child who maybe is stepped away from the church or siblings who, you know, you struggle with or who don't have faith and you really feel like there isn't any hope here. Like, yes, okay, God, I'm going to give it to you. Hopefully you'll move in their life. But what you're talking about, the Mm -hmm. difference between just being like, who knows if he'll do it, but whatever, I'll give it to him versus I guess, is there some sort of cooperation that you think goes on that's a little bit different than just kind of washing our hands of it and stepping away? I think it's that wrestling that we were talking about. We were talking briefly before the podcast about Blessed Elizabeth Lesseur. She is like a witness to that, of that really wrestling with the Lord, if you know her story. She had very faithful growing up, and then she fell in love, married this man who was atheist, and because of the influence of his friends and her circle of friends in France at the time, and, and his really kind of putting her faith down all the time, she fell away, then had a reversion In the midst of this reversion, she has her journal, which is so amazing to read. She writes constantly about this hope that she has for her husband and the hope that she has for heaven, because I think her suffering here on earth was so tangible that it really made her realize, like, we aren't made for this. We're made for more. We're made for heaven. We're made for for his glory. And then she prayed and prayed and prayed for his conversion. And and she told him that, you know, one day you're going to be a priest. And he's like, I'm an atheist. Come on, you know. (laughs) And her sister dies of cancer, and then she gets cancer, and she's dying and and passes away. And she doesn't see any fruit, but she never gave up hope. And then her husband finds her journal and, you know, goes through this major conversion and eventually becomes a priest. 
But in the midst of her journals, I love her writing. And it was really something that was very sustaining for me when I lost my dad to cancer about five years ago. And she walked with me through that. And um, one of the things that she said, it was for her sister when her sister had passed away. It was, Alleluia for her. God's will be done for us. And that really sustained me through my dad's Mm -hmm. journey. And I was like, you know, Alleluia for him. God's will be done for us. And it's that Mm -hmm. surrender of, you know, I don't know what it's going to be like. I don't know what's going to happen, but to give it to the Lord. And I also think the Lord provides friends, whether they're the saints or whether they're spiritual friendships here on this side, to walk with us in those times of desperation, those times of crying out before the Lord to be with us. We just have to be attentive, I think, too, and, and to be willing to risk sharing that story, sharing the mess of, you know, I'm really hurting, I'm really struggling, or this is really difficult. Our friends in heaven and our friends here, too, on earth. I think I've been disappointed mm-hmm. at just how long the wrestling and the surrender lasts. Mm-hmm. Even though there are the graces of understanding friends and saints who come along that really like bless the journey and sanctify it, like, oh, the Lord is in this with me. Like, this is a holy longing or a holy waiting. It still takes forever. Mm-hmm. It does. Well, like, and we have no memory. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Right. (laughs) Lord, why didn't you give me a better memory? (laughs) (laughs) I've just, even this morning was thinking about this area of my life where I'm like, haven't I prayed about this? Goodness gracious. Like (laughs) how long do I have to grieve this? How many Mm -hmm. times do I have to bring this up? Like it hearkens to mind forgiveness. Mm -hmm. You know what the Lord says about 70 times seven. Like it's the repetition. It's the constantly bringing before him the disappointment the anger, the sadness, the question. I'm just doing that again in my own life, you know, in like my pride, in my humanity. I'm like, here we go again. Like (laughs) I thought we'd done this. Mm -hmm. But there is intimacy in the wrestling that you're talking about rather than like this cold, impersonal handing off of our intention. I had a couple thoughts. One, that it's Reminding ourselves that this is a relationship with God. It's not a check mark. Our abandonment to Him is a journey. Some days are better than others. And the Lord's okay with that and that He's present in that. And He, he loves us in that. I was just going to echo David in Psalm 13. Verse 5 is, I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because He has dealt bountifully with me. But at the beginning of it, He's like, how long, oh Lord? Will you forget me forever? (laughs) (laughs) I love David. He's just so real. Yes. So awesome. Perseverance. Perseverance is so important. Mm -hmm. I remember my postulant director telling us in a teaching, she's like, determination and perseverance is the most important virtue. When you're early 20s, you're like, that doesn't make sense. It's love, you know, or it's whatever. It's Mm. faith. The older I get, like, No, it really is, you know, whatever a vocation is, that determination, that perseverance is crucial because if we have that, if we can continue to go deep in that, then the others would keep striving for. I mean, I found that to be true in marriage, you know, in friendship Mm -hmm. even. Mm -hmm. In friendships, even that I want to let go of or that I'm frustrated by, and I'm like, no, I'm going to persevere in love. I'm going to keep on loving this person eventually. The Lord's going to do something in their heart. He's going to soften them. He's going to continue to soften me. And so, yeah, I've noticed so much that that perseverance in relationships that I either A, want to give up on or B, seem hopeless or frustrating 
just to persevere and continue to love. And that can only be done when I'm receiving the Lord's love and when I'm really spending time with Him and recognizing His generosity, His patience with me. But yeah, I love that. Thanks for sharing that, sister. Okay, so thinking about hope as a Christian virtue, right, rather than worldly Disney-fied mm-hmm. hope. Romans 5.5, 5, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out. I cling to that so much. Hope does not disappoint, but it doesn't always look how I want it to look or mm. come when I want it to come. I wonder if you just had any thoughts on that. I think we need to look for it. We need to look and see mm. where the Lord is working. Where has he fulfilled my hope? Mm. Where is he fulfilling it right now? And then where do I want the Lord to fulfill? You know, that it's okay to have these deep desires, these deep longings. And I think we're quick to write them off. If I can look back in the pattern of my life, how has the Lord already worked? And how has he already fulfilled my hopes? Then he must be doing it now because he says he is. And I think it's holding on to the promises of scripture that he has promised it. And so he will fulfill it. I think that goes back to what, Jenna, what you were saying about having a short memory and about the journey of hope really is deciding that the Father is good and that He loves us in the mm-hmm. midst of it. Beth, I love that you honed in on that word because in Romans 5.5. 5. So the end of that verse is, hope does not disappoint us. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. It's almost like all of these things preceding verse 5 only exist because God's love has been poured into our hearts. That's the only way for us to hope, for us to not boast in our sufferings because suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope and hope does not disappoint. But it all starts from because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. So I just love that they almost seem like the effect Mm -hmm. of this causation of the Lord Mm -hmm. to pour his Holy Spirit into us. I'm also just dying about how generous that language is. God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. It's like the Lord is like, persevere. Look what I'm giving you. Mm -hmm. Let me help you persevere even. That's grace right there, that he gives us the grace. Then we can hope. And it's relying on the Lord that he is going to do it because he's promised he's going to do it. He is faithful. Just going back to the catechism definition of hope, that it's a theological virtue, which means God gives it to us, by which we desire and expect from God both eternal life and the grace we need to attain it. So hope Mm -hmm. is that expecting, desiring that he's going to give us the grace we need to attain eternal life. That's so cool. Well, gals, thanks for this little Bible study. Lots of good verses today. Sister, thanks for being here. Gladly. Love it. Would you mind closing us in prayer? Sure. Spirit, amen. Lord, you are good. You are gracious. You fill us with your love. You pour out your blessings upon us. You pour out your love upon us. Help us to respond. Help us to be open to receiving that love, receiving that joy, receiving all the graces you want to give us. Help us to always trust you. Jesus, we trust in you. We love you. We ask Our Lady's intercession and help to be the daughters of God that you desire us to be, to become the saints that you are calling us to be. So we pray in your name. Amen. Amen.
Thank you so much, sister. Thank you. I really appreciate it. I have to go write some stuff down so I don't forget it for my memory. Good plan. Thanks, sister. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for gathering with us here on the Blessed Is She podcast. Send over all your questions using the Anchor app. We'd love to hear from you. Connect with us at blessedishe.net slash community and join us on all your favorite social media platforms. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I love Twitter. Until next time.